0: The uh, uh, title for today's message is uh, Temptation Abandoned. Uh, I'm hoping that that is a reality for all of us when we get finished with this, that uh, it is temptation abandoned. Um, We know that the Lord Jesus Christ was tempted in all things yet without sin, that we can withstand that temptation when it does come. In our going through the uh, Sermon on the Mount, we now find ourselves in a very delicate place, okay? We find ourselves in a place where Jesus is going to be speaking into the heart and to the mind of the, of the men that are there in particular. This is a, a, surge, a subject that uh, can touch the heart of all people. It's not, it's not just relegated to men, but Jesus, I believe, was speaking at this particular time because of the culture and how things worked in the Middle East and uh, all of that, He was speaking to men, but today this speaks to the heart of all humanity. Jesus is bringing something that would be very familiar to these men and women that are on the mountain, and he's trying to bring it to them, and and he's wanting them to think about it. He's wanting them to even choke on it. I didn't ask Jesus this, but I mean, you know, that's what it looks like to me. This is something that would be very familiar to the the, uh, Hebrew men that are up there. He's bringing a well-known text out of the Old Testament where it says in Exodus 20, verse 14, you shall not commit adultery. The men that are sitting there on the mountainside would know that scripture. They would know it well from the Old Testament. And many of them would give it a loud amen. They would agree. Our society today is so polluted, though. Our society is polluted with sexual sin in, in every direction. It's almost inconceivable in the mind. You couldn't, uh, I mean, when I was born, I couldn't have written this story, or somebody from my age could not have written this story of where we'd be today. If you say this today, there's no conviction with a crowd of people. No uh, uh, conviction. You don't get loud amens when you say something like that. Just want to give you a little bit of an illustration. A few years ago, there was an exposure of... I mean, when I heard that, I'm I'm sitting in my office. you got to be kidding me. Yeah. I was shocked to hear of such a thing. When they began to investigate the site, there were a few members that were found out to be pastors. Yeah, a few of them happened to have been pastors. Some of those pastors actually took their life because now they've disgraced and all of those kinds of things. They were leaders of other ministries that were on there. There was tons and tons of names on there. Not Christian, but there were tons and tons of names. That tells you volumes of where our society is today. If pastors could put their name on there and become members of that kind of a thing... The website was called Ashley Madison. The site has this little introduction to the vileness of the sin that's there. It says, life is short, have an affair. They hear that. It will have been a little rough for them. And, you know, I thought I'd help them out and finish the rest of that uh, invitation. Life is short, have an affair, and go to hell for eternity. Because that's the ultimate... That's going to happen. You practice those things, that's what ultimately is going to happen. Oh, but I'm saved. I've received the grace of God. How do you know? How do you know if you're practicing those kinds of things, if you're doing those kinds of things? Jesus in this passage really kicks it up a notch, and that's why I say he's poking us in the eye. He says to the man who may arrogantly say, I do not commit adultery, I'm a good guy but he gawks at a woman outside his office window. Or from his construction site, he's looking at women and maybe even hooting. I know some women who walk in their neighborhood who once in a while will have a man calling from his truck or his car as he's going by saying improper things. I mean, it's disgusting, but men do that. Friends, this man who may call himself a Christian on Sunday truly does not know the doctrine of New Testament holiness. Because if you can do that on Monday to Saturday and on Sunday, oh, I'm okay, I'm all clean. You have no clue what the doctrine of holiness is. You have no clue about what the heart needs to be changed. Once you come to Christ, it is changing and it should continue to change. You see, folks, it's not just about our outward conduct. I think we heard that last week about anger. But what's going on inside, it's not only the deeds that are to be holy, but it's also the things that we choose to do. Those desires are also to be holy. This is not my interpretation, but this is what the Lord Jesus says about it, that men should have holy thoughts, holy deeds in those areas. I got to tell you, it's somewhat disconcerting, though. Jesus really kicked it up a notch. And and frankly, uh, you can say, Shannon, you're stepping all over me. And I I know some of you men. I don't know all of you, and I don't know all of you where your hearts are in this regard. But folks, if we read the New Testament and we hear what holiness is about, yes, we've been saved by grace. and And I once had a man say to me, yeah, you've been saved by grace. But does that grace allow you then to turn on a pornography film or uh, to open up a pornography magazine or to you entrance into heaven where it's holy? And there is no sin. God covers our sin, yes, by the blood of Christ. And, and I know that there have been men here that have failed, and I, I don't know any in particular, but I know that's happened. But grace does not allow us to live a profligate life. It doesn't allow us to, to spend time... Watching these kinds of things I, Somebody asked me yesterday I was teaching the men of the word the, the leaders of men in the word And they said what is the one number one sin Of men We're right here folks Pornography Pornography Once saved I cannot live a reprobate life I cannot continue to indulge In immorality Something needs to change Something should change It actually should be an automatic thing because now the Holy Spirit is resident in you. Once and months because of his problem and there's no change, he looks at me and he says, Pastor, do you think I'm saved? I don't answer. I said, salvation is not up to me. It's up to God. But your Life is not showing me fruit of the Spirit. It's not showing me that you know him. That's hard to say. and I'm saying that to my friend across the table from me, across the chair from me. Jesus expects and wants true, authentic holiness. That's why he died on the cross. That's why he died on the cross. Holiness that is of the heart and not merely of the conduct Now, this particular week that I was studying this, I I found this great quote from a very well-known pastor, some of you may know him, and I thought this was so important, I'm going to say it twice so that you get it. He said this, it is not lustful looking that causes the sin in the heart, but the sin in the heart that causes the lustful looking. The lustful looking is but the expression of a heart that is already immoral and adulterous. The heart is the soil of where the seeds of sin are embedded and begin to grow. Notice what I said. It's already there. It's not something that seeing that beautiful woman doing whatever that brings that. No, it's what's already in the heart. It's resident there. And yes, I did say I was going to repeat it. So here I go. It is not lustful looking that causes the sin in the heart, but the sin in the heart that causes. Mark chapter 7 says it's from the out of the heart that these evils come. And it's called, and even says adultery's there. All of those things come from out of the heart. You know, I might as well give that to you. Mark chapter 7, verse 20. And it says, and this is Jesus speaking, he says, that word proceeds out of the man, that is what defiles the man. For from within, out of the heart of men, proceed the evil thoughts, fornications, thefts, murders, adulteries, deeds of coveting, wickedness, and all the other sins that are there. It doesn't give every single sin in the world, but I think you get the idea. It's what's already there. So what's already there? It's scary, folks. Scary to see how much of this is practiced. And, and I, I, I need to say it's even among men that attend Grace Community Church. Even among men that are at Grace Community Church, Austin. And I said, Do you have that kind of problem with the, the college students down there? And he said to me, He said, Bill, probably about 60% of them have come to me asking for help. He said, What about the rest of them that haven't come? Those men are at least battling it. I mean, he gave me these numbers, and I'm going, you got to be kidding me. So it starts at a young age. Now, at the same time, I want you to understand, Jesus is not talking about seeing a beautiful, handsome man, beautiful, handsome woman, gorged, whatever, and recognizing that God had a hand in creating that person and moving on. That's okay. But it's the gawking. It's the leering. It's the looking doing it. Matthew chapter 15. Jesus is there and he says this in Matthew 15, 19. He says, for out of the heart, evil thoughts, murders, adulteries, fornications, thefts, false witnesses, slanders, these are the things which defile the man, But to eat with unwashed hands does not defile the man. Because what are they trying to take care of? Did you wash your hands? You know, you're ceremonially clean to be able to do worship or whatever it is. But what's going on in the heart? What is affecting the heart? What is corrupting that person? Now, let's see. Let's go back to Matthew chapter 5. And let's see what Jesus and how he says to treat this passage. He says this. You have heard, verse 27. Matthew chapter 7, you have heard that it is said, you shall not commit adultery. But I say to you that everyone who looks at a woman with lust for her has already committed adultery with her in his heart. He hasn't laid a hand on her. By the way, there are some women who know that too. Don't mind dressing in such a way so that they attract that person. You think, well, this is the only place that's in the scripture. Turn with me to Job chapter 31. Job uh, hits this particular subject because he sees the stuff that he's going through, and so he's asking questions. So in Job 31, this man who's having a private counseling session with God, it says in Job 31.9, it says, If my heart has been enticed by a woman, he's asking the question, if it has, or I have lurked at my neighbor's doorway. In other words, he's, he's waiting till she's available and the husband's gone or whatever. May my wife grind for another and let, her, uh, and let others kneel down before her for that iniquity, punishable by judges. In other words, he could be brought before the judges. Remember last week we talked about the judges. And it would be fire that consumes to abide and then uh, would uproot all my increase. Whatever he has will be taken away. And it should be. But look at verse uh, 1 of chapter 31. I have made a covenant with my eyes. How then should I gaze at a virgin? How how should he gaze at a young woman? That's what he's saying. I I made a covenant. I'm not going to do that. I'm not going to do that. You know, I ask men to make that covenant when I'm counseling with them. Make that covenant. Covenant. It's absolutely necessary. You should do that. Teach premarital. I had young men come up to me, and I think I mentioned this yesterday to the men who were at Men of the Word. And uh, I, I I said to him, I had these forsaking the sin of pornography and all of that. And and he came up and he says, I've been struggling with this since I was a boy. I've been I've been looking at these things for since a child. I said, please. Do your intended, the one that you want to marry, your problem. Now, he says to me, she won't marry me. I said, good. Good. You don't deserve her. You don't deserve her. Take care of it. Do something about it. Don't keep participating in it. Jesus um, has taken that simple, straightforward command from the Ten Commandments. He's not made; he's made it a demand. That's I, I think that's even stronger. There, his thorough interpretation of the Old Testament is to keep the ways of the men and the women from getting started in the direction of adultery, because that process to go in that direction. I remember, years ago, sitting in a staff meeting, I, I was I was a puppy, okay, on the staff. I mean, just a, a young guy, and and. One pastor had fallen, and MacArthur said, it didn't start there. It didn't start there. It started way back here when he began investigating to see what would happen. So just keep that in mind. It just doesn't fall on you somehow. Matthew chapter 5, verse 28, that everyone who looks at a woman with lust, that's what Jesus says, that everyone who looks at a woman with lust it could be translated this way because it's a present participle. Everyone who keeps on looking, keeps on looking. The stare, the loitering, the when men do that. It's a physical act. I actually have one woman, and I was counseling them for their marriage, and she says, I want to, I want to divorce my husband. I said, Why? He says, because he uh, committed uh, adultery with his eyes. She knows it. She can see him, what he's doing. He said, We go in the car, and all he does is look at women. He's looking at this, he's looking at that. I said, Well, the word pornea in that particular passage means a physical act, doesn't mean looking at it. Um, you actually have to do something, physical act. Matthew chapter 5, verse 8. Listen to what it says there. Blessed are the pure in heart. Well, if you're going to be blessed, this the Sermon on the Mount, he's talking about what these people are going to be. Adultery is not purity. It, it, it doesn't match up with what Jesus is saying you ought to be. You see, if you're changed, you're, you're truly a Christian, your heart has changed. Your heart has changed Blessed are the poor in spirit Blessed are those who mourn We see that in that passage That means mourning over your sin um, I've had other young men come in my office and, and they come in week after week after week With this problem And so I take my coat And I turn my collar around and I said, am I a priest now? That you keep coming in and confessing your sin Like I'm a priest? That's not going to help you it's not going to deal with the issue. You're not, I'm not, I don't want you to just come in here and, and tell me these things over and over and over again. 2 Timothy 2 Paul speaks 22. He says this now flee. You know, you, you ought to be like Joseph in Potiphar's bedroom when Potiphar's wife propositions him. And you run. You don't look back to see where your coat is. You don't look back to see if you're far enough away. You keep running, you go right to jail. It's okay. It's a good jail. Now flee from youthful lust and pursue righteousness, faith, love, and peace with those who are called on the Lord from a pure heart. See, that's what happens. There's a reformation that happens when you get saved. There's a change that happens when he gets saved, I want to honor him and everything. Last week, we were talking about our words and we we're talking about our actions and, and all towards other people. Yes, I want to honor him in this area of the eyes and mind. It does not take long before you actually stumble. That's what John was referring to in our meeting when I was a pup. A few years ago well it's a lot of years ago. I was mentioning it to uh, Aaron. He told me it was two thousand seven or two thousand eight we, we had an opportunity to go to Gdansk uh, Poland, uh, speak to a church there, the Gdansk Baptist Church in Poland. Uh, the pastor there asked me to do a family camp two years in a row actually it was kind of kind of nice, it was beautiful setting, it was a, at a lake, it was pristine, uh, uh, all of these kinds of things. And, and while there I'm speaking on the husband and wife relationship and raising children and those kinds of things, he comes to me, he says, can you, uh, can you uh, speak on lustful temptations? Ask for anything like that. And, and I said, wait a minute, this is Europe. I thought they were liberated. You know, they have topless bathing and all of this kind of stuff. He says, they're no more liberated than the United States. Nobody is liberated here. Would you please speak to the issue? I said, sure, I'll prepare something. One afternoon, you know, they have these long breaks where you can go out with the family, and and that's why it's called a family camp, you know? You get together with your family. They go down to the lake and they go swimming. It's much too cold for me. If it's not 90 degrees, I can't swim in it, okay? (laughs) And so they go down to the lake, and they're going to go swimming. And I am there, and I was trying to have a nice time with my wife, and we were talking, and some of the folks came down for bathing. And I said, I can't stay here. I think they call them bathing suits, but they weren't quite there. They they had to go back to the room." We had a room and then everybody had different, you know, bedrooms to sleep in. And so I, you know, let me listen to a little Polish here. I, you know, they were, I, I joke, if you're Polish, I'm just joking about this. It's a place where I always want to buy a vowel. They just, they just don't have enough vowels. So I, I want to go listen to it a little bit. I turn on the television. Do you know what it goes to immediately? Porn. I mean, hardcore Porn. And so I I get the towel out of the bathroom, I put it over the TV, I said, toxic. (laughs) Don't don't, don't just turn it on, don't even try. It's toxic. Folks, it's all over the place. There's a problem. And you know, Satan knows this, and he knows how to get to the heart of man. He knows what to do to rile him up. So let's go back to Matthew chapter 5. Jesus says, But I say... His authority to this on this particular subject. He, the Lord, says that a lustful look is sin. Just a look lustfully. Simply, Jesus is pointing out to the folks that are there in the mount- mountainside, looking is just the beginning. And I would say even to one more step, as Pastor MacArthur said, it's already in the heart. The look sets the thought, the heart, the emotions, the will, and the direction of the sin, and you must stop it at that entrance gate when it first comes in. Back to Matthew, look what Jesus says, everyone who looks, and obviously that can be male or female. This description is of, specifically in the passage, is of a man who spends stuff. He has no safeguard on his eyes. He has no check on his mind. The results are extremely devastating. And unfortunately, as a pastor, I've had to deal with some of those devastating consequences because it does lead to adultery. It does lead to adultery. Adultery leads to divorce. Adultery leads to estrangement. Adultery leads to unforgiveness. Adultery leads to the children being brought up in a single-parent home. All of those kinds of things begin to happen. Why? Because a man has let his eyes look too long, too much. And all of those things begin to formulate. I think they can get away with it. Can I tell you? No one can get away with it. Pastor up in Portland, and I don't think I want to use his name, but he was committing adultery with two different women. I told my wife about it. and She says, he's not even good looking. (laughs) Folks, it doesn't mean whether you're good looking or not. All right. So if you're... Not good looking. Don't worry about it. <laughs> or worry about it too. He's not even good looking. I, just, I love those little one-liners my wife gives me. <laughs> Romans 8.13 says this. For if you are living according to the flesh, you must die. If you're going to live that way, you, you, you should die. That, well, what is, happens with sin? Sin kills. That's what sin does. One of my dear friends as an elder says, sin Sin makes you stupid. Romans 8.13 again, for if you are living according to the flesh, you must die. But if you by the spirit, you are putting to death the deeds of the body, you will live. Friends, and some of you may not like this, but an appreciation for beauty is one thing. Appreciation of beauty is one thing, but a lust that says in your heart, if I could, I would. If I could, I would. Now, I was in an industry, sales industry. I had a sales manager. That sales manager, when he came out to California, always wanted to go where all the good-looking women were. He's a married man with three kids at home, and I know what he's going to do. Well, when I get saved, that. So, Bill, where, where are they? I said, well, they moved, you know. <laughs> they moved. They're in another company, you know. I mean, but that's what he would do. Once you've got that in your heart that you can get away with it, you're going to continue to get, try to get away with it. I, can I say this? Those kinds of acts are destroying your heart, they're destroying your life. And obviously, if you say you're a Christian, you can't have proper worship. There's no worship there. And, and, and for somebody to keep coming to church, putting on an act to try to look good, maybe for their hu- husband, wife, whatever, and continue to do those things, that's just an act. You can't get away with it from God. He knows exactly what you're doing. And that one sin is just that. Yeah, you know, I, I was telling George Crawford this morning in the prayer time, and he said I should give you this illustration. Yes, text from somebody that they came home and they found their husband with a woman in the hot tub drinking a glass of wine. Folks, I mean, I just I I I couldn't believe it. I, I wanted to jump out of my skin. And, and I wanted to go get this guy. How could you do that? I invited him here today. If you are here today, I hope you're convicted. I hope you're terribly convicted. I didn't get to speak to him, but I invited him. And if he doesn't like it, he'd do whatever he wants to me. I don't care. What you're doing to your family and what you did to your Lord and Savior, you just spat in his eye. That's what you do. This is a warning to men that Jesus is giving here. Everyone who looks at a... If I can put it this way, it's a deed that is birthed in a desire, made in the imagination or the thought. The desire develops into a determination. Eventually, there is a deliberation to perform the deed and satisfy a craving. That's what happens. It's not one step. It didn't just happen it was worked on was thought about it was dreamed about how do i know that james chapter one tells me that james chapter one james one 14 and 15 by the way please stay to the end i i mean i not that i need you to stay but at the end, I'm hopefully going to give you some things that you can use for your own heart to help you. And you say, oh, but that's not me. Way and enticed by his own lust, the lust that's in that heart. Then when lust has conceived, it gives birth to sin. And when sin is accomplished, it brings forth death. Because the wages of sin is death. That's how I could say to the title of that company for adultery, and. Adultery brings you to hell for eternity. I love Joshua. I love reading the book of Joshua. I love what Joshua says at the end. I mean, one of the faithful men, he and Caleb, and they go into the promised land. But at the end, he says in verse 15 of of chapter 24, he says, but as for me and my house, we will serve the Lord. You can make that personal. As for me and my person, I'm going to serve the Lord. Jesus goes deeper into the intent here. He says, get your mind off fulfilling the law, which means not committing adultery. Get your mind off of that and put it on your heart. And where is your heart? And again, I have worked with men plagued with this sin. Can I tell you something, folks? COVID can be helped. I'm going to say that. COVID can be helped with different kinds of medications. But there isn't a mask in this world that can stop a man from doing this. There isn't a vaccine in the world that can stop a man from doing this. There isn't a booster in the world that can stop a man from doing this if he's got a corrupt heart. And so he needs to deal with a corrupt heart. It is devastating. It's debilitating. I have seen families racked with problems because of it. I have seen, you know, it gives the person who's hurt, the innocent person, a sense of no hope. Pastor, oh, Romans 8.28, God causes all things to be good. doesn't go over real well, but I am able to encourage them that God is doing something here for you, for your family through this. He's not going to leave you alone, but he's taking you and he's going to grow you. He's going to make you into a person that's stronger because of this. And again, I wonder if they are Christians when they do that. Second Corinthians 10.5 says, take every thought captive, every thought captive. But there is a willing in the making of those decisions, and either you make a decision for yourself or you make a decision for God. It's one or the other. And that's what it is. It's about self, isn't it? The, the moment of pleasure, 10 minutes of pleasure, whatever it is, and eternal stating it is to your family. Kill the sin. That's what I'd like to say. Kill the temptation. First Timothy four seven says, discipline yourselves for the purpose of godliness. That's what we do. Discipline ourselves. Second Corinthians seven one. Therefore, having these promises, beloved, let us cleanse ourselves from all defilement of the flesh and spirit, perfecting holiness in the fear of God. That's what we need to do. Well, Jesus has a solution. Okay, I didn't think I'd get to that. But Jesus does have a solution. He starts in Matthew 5, 25, 29. This is where he he takes the idea that you need to take care of that. If your right eye makes you stumble, tear it out. Wow. Jesus is pretty Radical from you, for it is better that you lose one of the parts of your body than your whole body go into hell. That's extreme, folks. That's extreme. In the ancient world, the right eye was always the more important eye. For whatever reason, that's the way they saw it. It was more valuable. By Jesus picking out the more valuable eye, he tells that this is extremely important. There is no compromise here. But Jesus didn't stop there. Look at verse 30. If your right hand makes you stumble, cut it off and throw it from you. For it is better for you to lose one of your parts of your body. And and so I sit back and I look at it. Are you serious, Jesus? Are you serious? Yeah. Um, Years ago, there was a story on staff. Nobody could ever confirm who did it. And so what he did was he poked his eye to not see out of it anymore. Hmm. Yeah, that was pretty radical. Guess what? He still saw out of the other eye. He poked the other eye, so now he's blind. Once he was blind, he said, I didn't have the problem with my eyes. I had the problem with my heart. It was resonant in my heart because that didn't go away was still there. Now, I have not been able to verify that story, but uh, one of these days I'll find out. The problem is not the eyes. The problem is the heart. The little t- literal taking of an eye, the literal taking of the hand is not really meant here, folks. I hope you understand that. What is to be understood is not if things are real left-handed, uh, that's just the culture back then. You're just as important. And, you know, I I thought about this. I said, is Jesus looking for a bunch of mutilated men at the church door welcoming everybody? Hi, come on in. No, I don't think so. I don't think so. So it's not that he's wanting that. He's just wanting to give you the imagery. He's wanting you to see what this looks like. That's how important this is for Jesus and for God. Get yourself under control. Uh, years ago, I had a young lady brought to me. And she had been viewing pornography for four years. And she had gone to her parents to confess it. And, a, and that's why I had permission to do that, because others need to be warned. The girl started looking when she was seven years old. She looked at everything, everything you could possibly look at. Every day. She's got her own little computer. She's done her. She needs to do her homework. She takes her computer, da-da-da. And I said, how did she get there? It was a kid's game on the computer. You hit the right button on that kid's game, and it brought you to the next level of something else. So parents out there, please, whatever you can do, Slow it down. I think it was about three, four years ago. I had Eki and myself talked about this, and it's on a uh, um, Sundays in July about using computers. It's there. You've got to protect your children because, you know what, they're not discerning generally on that kind of thing. But you understand. she's in college, walking with the Lord, loving the Lord. That's what's important. 1 Corinthians 6 19 says this or do you not know that your body is the temple of the holy spirit who is in you whom you have from god and that you are not your own for you have been brought bought with a price therefore glorify god in your body that's what we're supposed to be doing the heart needs to be one of those instruments of glorifying god so when we think about those things we need to change those things and we're going to get down to the how to's and the what to's in a little while, I can't believe it. We're running out of time, but we had a long introduction here. Worship comes from a heart filled with gratitude. Worship comes from a heart filled with gratitude. Gratitude for salvation, gratitude for sanctification, and gratitude for eventual glorification. We should always be have a heart of gratitude. How could we turn to those things? You see, we deserve nothing and he's given us everything. These lusts promise something, but they never deliver. You always need more. As you see, it started with our parents, Adam and Eve, in the Garden of Eden. They wanted some knowledge and so they sinned. They weren't satisfied with what they had a completely innocent heart. They wanted immediate pleasure. Now, I am running out of time, and I do want to give you some of these personal defenses. You can write it down if you keep the notes. Number one, personal defenses, things that you can do. Walk closer with God. Have a serious time with God. Make sure you're keeping up on the reading of your script. Get up earlier. Get up earlier. Have time with the Lord. Uh, John 1421 he who has my commandments and keeps them is the one who loves me. And he who loves me will be loved by my Father, and I will love him and will disclose myself to him. I also suggests this number two. It's not just having a close relationship with Christ, but a God consciousness. He is everywhere. He knows all that's going on. Joshua 1.8 Joshua declares this, Joshua 1.8. The book of the law shall not depart from your mouth, but you shall meditate on it day and night, so that you may be careful to do according to all that is written in it, for then you will make your will of the Lord in your heart. Meditate on it. Obey God's commands. That's uh, Luke 11.28. Be filled with the Spirit. I mean, actually, be filled with the Spirit that people can tell. You know, there's something different about you. There's something going on in your life. I can see it. Yes, Pastor John spoke about having words to be able to speak the gospel. I thought that was great last week. But you know what? If you're not living it, then how? What do those words mean? You don't have to be living it. Uh, put on the armor of God. Um, We could even go back a little bit further in Ephesians, to Ephesians 4, where it says to put off these things, that means the old man. The old man that may have been caught in those lusts may have been, and I I don't want to use the word addicted. Can I use a a Bible word? Enslaved. That's what it is. It's not addicted. There's no addiction here, okay? because you don't need to take a pill. Um, And then you get all the way to chapter 6, and he says, put on the armor of God. And that's what you need to do. You put off the old man, put on the new man. That's a practice that we need to be doing every day. It's not just once a week. It's every day. Number five is renew your mind. And you renew your mind through the word of God. Um, Romans 12, 2 is the thing that uh, after those 11 chapters of theology, we see... Paul take a turn and he says, uh, do not be conformed to this world. This world is conformed to that. Do you know what they're doing in the public schools today? They're teaching your children about sex education. I think it's down to the second grade. This was years ago. I got this from one of our missionaries in Germany. They were teaching them how to have sex with men, how to have sex with women, how to have sex with multiple people. That's what they were showing them on second graders. So they pulled their kids out of the school system there. You can't homeschool in Germany. So they went and came back to America. But that's what they're doing in the United States now. That's what's beginning to happen now. Why? Because they want to pollute everybody. They want to pollute everybody. Renew your minds with the word of God. Romans 12.2. Number six, think on the things above. Think on the things above. For that person who is uh, tempted uh, to view, watch, take a look at, whatever for, therefore, if you have been raised up with Christ, listen, did you hear what he, Paul's already said? If you have been raised up with Christ... Keep seeking the things above where Christ is, seated at the right hand of God. Set your mind on the things above, not on the things of earth, okay? For you have died and your life is hidden with Christ. Isn't that wonderful? When Christ, who is our life, is revealed, you also will be revealed with him in glory. I, I'm, thank you, Lord. I can't wait for that day. Bring it on think on the things above keep your mind off of this wor- world here that's polluting and, and and you know we we can get all upset about the news and there's much to get upset about in the news understood but keep your mind on Christ that's the goal number 7 is out automatically because it is a fruit of the spirit uh, galatians five twenty two twenty three. 23 love joy peace patience kindness goodness faithfulness gentleness and self-control that should be part of what happens as a believer and that's why when the man is, is struggling with this, I say, where's your self-control? It's not there. Well, maybe this fruit of the Spirit isn't there because there's no Holy Spirit. If married, okay, because I'm not always talking with married men and not all of you are married in here. If married, keep a close relationship. And I don't mean just intimacy with your wife. I mean having a relationship with your wife like actually talking to her like actually enjoying her and the last that i give on personal defenses and we've got more and i'm going to take a little longer and they're going to wait pastor carl just loves to teach on prayer but that is something that is essential an intimate prayer life 2 Corinthians 9 8, God is able to do all things sufficiently. I mean, it's five times he uses the superlative. Now I want to give you a list of things to do to guard your heart, because that's where the problem comes. When I was in seminary, I had a, a young man who was in seminary. He says his wife is going out every Tuesday evening or something like that. He says, Bill, do you mind if I call you and we pray? He was wanting to have accountability. Because he, he he could see his wife would go out. And the TV would go on, and he didn't want to do that. So, I mean, this is way back in when they before they even invented cable TV, and TV was still black and white. You know, just kidding. <laughs> Accountability. That's that's what away from it. Accountability. Number two, confess your sin daily. Now, somebody asked me yesterday uh, with men in, of the word, and they said, "So should I confess my sin to my wife of my desire?" of looking at pornography. I I said, no. You know why I said no? Because that can be manipulative. You can be manipulating her. And so don't do that. You confess your sin as far as it is known. God. God, in this case. And obviously, if you're coming in to see a pastor or a counselor, you're confessing it to someone else. But And isn't it good to have 1 John 1, 9? If he confesses your sins, he is holy and righteous to forgive your sins. My goodness, why would he do that over and over and over again? Number three, cultivate enmity with sin. Hate sin. I want you to get this verse. 97, verse 10. (laughs) This... This is just so appropriate. It says in Psalm 97.10, Hate evil. You who love the Lord, who preserves the souls of his godly ones, he delivers them from the hand of the wicked. Hate evil. Hate those things that put them on the cross. So cultivate enmity with sin. Number four, recognize your own points of weakness. Years ago, uh, some men had struggled with uh, reading the newspaper and getting to the sports page because on the sports page, they'd always have these advertisements. Do we have newspapers anymore? I, I don't even know. I haven't seen one in a long time. Uh, although I did see a Wall Street Journal yesterday. It's a Wall Street Journal. <laughs> but, but there's certain places that you may go, a barbershop where they may have magazines there or whatever it is. You know, I I do not watch any TV that is currently running. I um, tape it all. Why? Number one, I can fast forward through the advertisements and I don't have to listen to the garbage they want me to buy and also the stuff that's on there. And if something is happening there, I can go through it faster. So just whatever you can do, protect your eyes, protect your heart from these things. Cultivate enmity, look at the points of weakness, the points of vulnerability, and work on those issues. The last is to build some hedges, and I can see they're building up out there. So we won't give you the last part. Three. Three. Proverbs twenty two, three, the prudent sees the evil and hides himself. But thy naive go and are punished for it. They give into it. They give into it. You know your weaknesses better than I do. You know your weaknesses. Run from it. And it can be all kinds of things. I'm gonna give you one last thing is kill sin. You kill sin by starving it, number one. And number two, you can do it in a positive way. You grow in grace. You are perfecting holiness. And then you're renewing the inner man. That's the positive way of doing it. Kill sin. The negative way is starve it. Stay away from it. The more you stay away from it, the better off. fellowship He came into my office. After months, 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 he finally put his Bible down on my desk and he said, Pastor, if I can't stop, then I'm not a believer. said so that's, that's a challenge. He still has never gone back to pornography, and this is over 10 years ago. Declare that in your own heart and live for Jesus Christ and know that he loves you through all of it. Let's pray. Father, thank you for today. Thank you for your grace. Uh, Lord, I pray for these men and women that you would work in their life and their heart to continue to form Christ in them. Make them the people of God that you want from them. We pray this in your name. Amen.